Former president dismissed a reporter's question with the rubric, Well, you've never been judged by the color of your skin. The reporter's response, I just have. Who do you think took the heat on that one? You can figure that out. This is where we are. But as individuals, no one has to be there. Each of us can think critically and come to our own conclusions regardless of the mass think mentality. And that's the truth. And we're TNN. The Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. I'm Dan Newman. This is Truth News Network, TNN Live. And yeah, I want to say thank you for being here today, Tuesday. We have a really big show today, Tuesday. What is that? Every week at TNN Live, second hour of our show, Steve Baker joins us. And I believe he might be in Washington, D.C. I know there was some consideration about going there. Maybe When he comes aboard today, he'll give us all the details about that. But anyway, Steve Baker will be with us right at the top of our second hour, which would be 10 o'clock a.m. Central Time. But between now and then, we have a bunch we need to weigh in on. It just seems like every day things get crazier, wilder, more unexplainable in our government. Everything to do with our government, top to bottom. One of the saddest hearings that I've ever witnessed happened yesterday when the gold parents of those 23 U.S. military members that were blown up at the Abbey Gate in Afghanistan on that botched pullout by the Biden administration. Gold Star families, I couldn't think of Gold Star. Those parents were there, they wept, they cried, they expressed their anger because of a lot of different reasons. We're going to dig into that in just a little bit. And it's really sad, but we've got to talk about it simply because by doing that, we honor the lives, those young men and women that gave their lives in our U.S. military and our commander-in-chief turned his back on them. And since then, has lied to these Gold Star family members. It's inexcusable. We're going to weigh into that and a lot of stuff going on in the old uh, Donald Trump um, lynching. (laughs) That's the best word I could think of. Jack Smith, special counsel, wants to lynch Donald Trump. (laughs) So we need a little moment or two of something peaceful, something positive. Well, this goes way, way, way back. A friend of mine passed away. This is Andre Crouch. It's just a matter of time. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You see, earthquake. 
One thing I do know for certain, Andre Crouch, you just heard him there at the end. It's just a matter of time before we're going to heaven. He believed that, and I do too. I hope you do too. Man, just think about it. (laughs) We hear all those great stories about heaven, and we think about those while we're living through all this crud and uncertainty and lies and evil. Gosh, we just sometime want a way through it. Just give me some peace as I walk through all this. Well, that's what God's all about. He really does give a rip. He really cares. And all he wants us to do is turn to him and ask for the answers. And he promised he'd give us the answers. I don't know of any better way to get shrunk. I don't need to pay $300 an hour to go talk to some doctor, psychiatrist, psychologist. What's the difference between One of them can prescribe medicine, the other one can't. I forget which is which. Anyway, they're out there to shrink our heads. And I think that moniker shrink that was given to him a long time ago is applicable because you come out of there and your your ability to, to think about diverse things and a bunch of things at one time, they try to just clamp it all down to where all you think about is the two or three things they tell us to think about. That's not living life and living life abundantly, which is what the Bible promised us if we'll turn to God. That's what I'm looking for the abundant life, and I'm 70 now, and I promise you, it's there. Abundant life is out there for all of us. All you got to do is ask. Well, I want to start the show today, and again, don't forget, Steve Baker joins us at the top of hour number two. He's got a lot to share with us about a lot of things, and we're going to get his opinions on some things that we're talking about and have been for several days here at TNN Live. But what happened yesterday? The Biden administration, a bunch of gold star moms and dads said the Biden administration lied to them about the death of those service members in Afghanistan. One gold star mom sobbed in front of Congress yesterday as she accused the Biden administration of lying to her about what happened to her son who died in Afghanistan August of 21. Kelly Barnett's son, Staff Sergeant Darren Taylor Hoover, was one of those 13 U.S. service members killed by a suicide bomber in Kabul during the military's chaotic withdrawal two summers ago. It just seems like it was yesterday. Barnett was the first of several relatives to speak at a congressional forum. One not technically a committee hearing or a hearing at all. It was a forum that was held by Representative Darrell Issa of California, yesterday morning. This event marked the first time these relatives of all 13 fallen troops spoke in a public setting together. I'm going to be brave and tell you about my kid. He's an amazing kid, and I want you to know that I'm not a victim. We're not victims. We're parents to some mighty heroes. I want you to know that. Mama Barnett said that about her boy. She said her son's concern about the controversial withdrawal began the moment that he landed in Afghanistan for his final deployment, noting that he witnessed chaos, no communication, lack of leadership. Barnett's voice, mother, of course, full of emotion, broke when she said her son was told to clean up the airport because, quote, we can't leave it dirty for the Taliban. 
Does that sound realistic for somebody to be saying that in a place of leadership in our military? Oh my God. What kind of disrespect? What kind of hatred for our military? What kind of mess, confusion, deceit, lost, angry, sad, heartbroken, and disgusted? Those are the feelings that these service members felt and are still feeling. These are the feelings I'm feeling. This is that mother, Barnett said. The families of the fallen were subsequently told lies given incomplete and incorrect reports. According to this grieving mother, she described the situation as total disrespect. She said, I was told to my face he died on impact. That is a lie. And the only reason I know this is because witnesses that were there told me the truth. I was lied to and basically told to shut up. He lived for a little while. He was giving out his ammo. He tied a tourniquet around his leg. I don't understand the reasoning of that lie, Barnett said. It makes no sense other than the fact that did they really even do any type of investigation? Did they talk to witnesses? I don't know, she said. After that withdrawal, Darren Hoover, Taylor's father, angrily called on President Biden, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, and Joint Chiefs of Staff Chair Mark Milley to resign. To Biden directly, Hoover said this, Be a grown-ass man. Admit your mistakes. Learn from them so that this doesn't happen ever, ever again. He continued, this is Dad Hoover, you all need to resign immediately. Our son's daughters have more integrity in their little toes than every one of you combined, he added. A Defense Department spokesperson's statement on the Gold Star family's testimony said this, quote, the Department of Defense expresses our deepest condolences to the Gold Star families who lost loved ones during the tragic bombing at Abbeygate. We are forever grateful for their service, sacrifice, and committed efforts during the evacuation operations. We also commend the historic and monumental efforts of all our servicemen and women who served honorably during the withdrawal period from Afghanistan. I could say a lot of things, but I'm not going to. Let me explain what the Biden administration is all about. Was then, is today, and will be until the Biden administration closes the door on its history. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. They're not honest. They don't do legal things all the time. There's a plethora of evidence out there that reveals lies and illegal activities that are handing out, handed out from the White House to various departments in the Department of Justice, top to bottom. All this stuff is top to bottom. Now, let me illustrate for you, if you need any more illustration of insanity and horror, let me give you some. 
the bombing at the Abbey Gate, those 13 service members were slaughtered. That was a suicide bomber. Did you know that our largest military base in that part of the world, Bagram Air Base, was on the outskirts of Kabul? We even had a full-blown prison with several hundred prisoners inside. It was the most secure military facility on the planet. We had spent tens of billions of dollars building that. It was state-of-the-art in every possible way. Joe Biden walked away from it and everything in it. All the infrastructure, thousands of military vehicles that included fighter jets, attack helicopters, trucks, tanks, all kinds of ammunition and military supplies. I mean, we will never know accurately the total cost of what they walked away from. If it was, as he says, today, Joe Biden, it was an orderly planned withdrawal. If he says that ever again, I think I'm going to scream so loud from wherever I am, wherever he is, he'll hear me. It's a lie. It's all a lie. Do you know, we don't know the exact number of American service members and people, Afghan nationals, that came to work for our military in intelligence operations, putting their lives on the line for us because they were promised if and when we ever left, we would put them on the first plane out. They would go out with us. Biden walked away from that longstanding commitment. Not only did he leave those people behind, many of who are still hiding, at least 150 can't get out. Many of those are literally hiding underground to keep the Taliban from killing them, slaughtering them. Among the supplies that were taken when we walked out of Bagram Air Base was a pile of munitions, explosive things, bunches of it, hundreds of pounds of explosive C4. There's an interesting thing about explosive materials. They're not manufactured everywhere on earth. You can't just go to a store, go to a Home Depot and pick up a pound of C4. You just can't do it. And if you could, very easily, one who knows where all of our explosives were kept and came from, each place has identification in its elements, in the explosive materials from which you can tell exactly where it was manufactured and where it was being stored, where it was being kept. The suicide bomber that set off that bomb at Abbey Gate to kill 13 service members, guess where that explosive came from? In that suicide vest from Bagram Air Base. Joe Biden left it there. That stuff was used to kill these 13 babies that these moms and dads were crying about in Congress yesterday. Does that sound like a leader? Does that sound like a president of the United States? Could you ever see Ronald Reagan, John F. Kennedy, Barack Obama even, George H.W. Bush, 
and George Bush, could you see any one of those presidents walking away from that, walking away from all those people, walking away and then lying about it for two years now? Let's just talk about one guy, Secretary of State Lloyd Austin. He was a great participant, a mover and a shaker in the Benghazi debacle that happened on Hillary Clinton's watch as Secretary of State, Barack Obama president. Lloyd Austin was the head of CENTCOM, Central Command, for all of our forces in Northern Africa, the Middle East, and Europe. He was the guy. And on that night, when all hell broke out on the ground in Benghazi, Libya, and we had four patriots at that consulate there that could not get out, SEAL Team 4 members were in the air, headed from CENTCOM, to go in, probably sacrifice their own lives to try to save the life of our ambassador to Libya and three other military commandos that were there trying to protect the ambassador and get everybody else out safely. When it came time for them to get clearance to go and land and do what they wanted to do to save those people, General Lloyd Austin is the one that basically said, we're not going, let them die. Additionally, Lloyd Austin, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, they wanted to take over. They wanted to kick Basar Assad, the king of, of um, Syria, get him out of there. And so there were a bunch of rebel organizers, rebel agents, whatever you want to call them in there, um, military operations. They were trying to go after Assad and get him out of office. We sent them money to help them in that cause. We gave them, this sounds familiar, we gave them millions of dollars worth of weapons. Got to get rid of that evil dictator. Whatever it takes, we got to get him out of there because he is killing innocent Syrians. He's gassing his own people at the time. That's what he was doing. Well, guess what? Basar Assad's still the king. He's still running Syria, isn't he? What happened to those rebels? Well, with all that undergirding they got from the United States government, all that military money and equipment, they figured out, hey, we can use this over here. We can make a lot of hay with all of this. So guess what they did? That's exactly what they did. They adopted their own name. You know what their name was and is? ISIS. Barack Obama. General Lloyd Austin, now Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who was working for Hillary Clinton in Libya at the time. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you, America, for giving the world ISIS. Thank you, America, for walking away from hundreds of Afghans who you promised you would never leave if we ever left Afghanistan, 
You walked away from your promise. You walked away from billions of dollars of equipment. And you also, among those equipment pieces and aircraft and ground vehicles that you left there, you left a bunch of C-4, which one chunk of it murdered 13 of our volunteer military force members. So, of course, all of those people responsible got fired, right? Well, Joe Biden's still the president. Oh, by the way, Mark Milley, he's still he's still there in the Joint Chiefs. Lloyd Austin, then just General Austin, he got promoted to be Secretary of Defense. And Hillary Clinton, she's out there just being Hillary, cackling, actually cackling worse than Vice President Kamala Harris. Antony Blinken, Secretary of State. These are the greatest leaders on the planet. These are the best that we have. Let me read for you one more time what Lloyd Austin's Defense Department, what they said about these Gold Star families. The Department of Defense expresses our deepest condolences to the Gold Star families who lost loved ones during the tragic bombing at Abbey Gate. We are forever grateful for their service, their sacrifice, and committed efforts during the evacuation operations. We also commend the historic and monumental efforts of all our servicemen and women who served honorably during the withdrawal period from Afghanistan. That's what the DOD said. Let me say Please, please, Gold Star parents, would you forgive your fellow Americans for what our leader chose to do to turn his back on members of the military, knowing full well that those members, military members, were likely to be slaughtered on the streets of Kabul as they were trying to put some pieces of what and why you did what you did, yanking so quickly with no notice all of our people out of Afghanistan? And would you forgive us for electing a guy that would not only do that, but turn his back on his promise that he would never leave any of these people in Afghanistan if we if we withdrew? We would bring them back to the United States, give them legal status, and if they wanted it, citizenship for being willing to sacrifice their lives to help us over there to fight against the Taliban. Joe Biden is inept. He's cognitively over the hill. He has no leadership expertise, and besides that, he's a pathological liar. God save his soul because the rest of him is gone. And men and women, patriots from the United States, have already given their lives because of his pride, haughtiness, because he doesn't really care about anything except what's important 
to Joe Biden. And our military and military me members, he's already sold them out. Why do you think China is flexing its muscles against us all across the globe? Why do you think Iran is flexing their muscles against us over in the Middle East? Why do you think Vladimir Putin doesn't give a rip about what comes out of Washington, D.C.? It's either because Joe Biden is scared to death or, novel idea, thought I'd just mention this on the way out. Just maybe they own him and he's obligated because he's gotten compensation for past performances for those nations. Think about that. The nations I said, Iran, Russia, China. Hmm. Yep, aren't there a bunch of pieces of evidence laying around that all point to Joe Biden, the big guy, and implicate him in taking money from our enemies? Just saying. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. Believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. (laughs) Movies right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Saying it out loud. No spin, only the truth. Again, Dan Newman. You know, I learned a long time ago, when you want to find somebody, maybe in a company you own. This happened to me over and over and over again, 30 years 32 years ago, I started a company that's still blowing and going to this day. Scott Shirley, our son-in-law, is running it. He's an amazing guy, and he took it to the next level when Poppy, that would be me, decided to uh, pitch my keys on his desk and say, I'm going to the house. When When you have a situation where you need to bring people around you to lead, How do you find people like that? It's real simple. It's not difficult. If you have a business, 
or if you are a senior management in business or if you're in management of any kind and you ever need to bring somebody else in to bolster your workforce or to do something different, here's what most people think. They think what I need to do is go find somebody that thinks exactly like me. Anybody that does that is stupid for doing it. And here's why. If you own it, or if you're a manager there and you're successful and you even have the right to even go look to hire somebody to come there, you're obviously successful. Why are you successful? Well, that's because you and others that may not be just like you, but may be there doing other things and they're good at what they do also, you're pretty darn good. You don't need another you. You need to identify the hole in your company or the holes in your company where you need somebody with real expertise in that particular niche and go find the best one that you can to fill that niche. In fact, if you think you know everything about what goes on in your company, your company's not going to grow because you're going to limit it. Raise your horizons. If you want to grow a company, bring in people that don't necessarily think just like you about everything. You can teach them the business structure, the way that the X's and O's operate in your company. That's easy, but what you can't teach them is something you don't know. Car dealer named Mickey McHale. McHale, Ford, Lincoln, Mercury in Ruston, Louisiana. Let's see, it was 50 years ago. 50 years ago, he taught me that. Great car salesman, that's how he got the job. Actually, Ford Motor Company put him there as the dealer. He didn't have to buy that dealership. He worked his way into owning it eventually. But he was a car salesman. He didn't know anything about what's under the hood of a car. When there was a wreck somewhere, he didn't know anything about how to straighten metal and paint. When there were parts that were needed, he didn't know anything about parts, so guess what he did? He went and got the best body shop guy, the best car service guy he could come up with, and then he went and got a finance person, which before that, in the early 70s, dealerships didn't have finance people. They didn't finance cars. They cut a deal with local banks or Ford Motor Credit if they were a Ford Lincoln Mercury dealer, and they handled all that. But as times changed, dealerships grow, you add, you expand, you bring in more people. His deal was whatever area he needed somebody in, he went and found the best possible person that knew more about that than anybody else, and he hired them. He later sold that dealership for a buttload of money, Why is that? Because he did what he could do to the best of his ability. And when there was a a vacancy in one area that needed to be addressed by management that he didn't have the expertise, he went and got the expertise. That's being smart. We don't have a guy like that calling the shots in Washington, D.C. This guy's... I guarantee you, what is it now? It's 1035 in D.C. If he hadn't had an ice cream cone yet, he's already thought about it 10 times. That's our commander-in-chief. Let's move on.
More lies. More lies. Oh, my gosh. Hunter Biden's big buddy and longtime business partner went to the Obama White House and then now president, then vice president Joe Biden's house dozens of times between 2009 and 2016, likely to make him the next target of the House Oversight Committee's investigation into Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings. Eric Schwerwin is the guy, one of Hunter's business partners, previously reported that he had visited the White House and the vice presidential residence at Observatory Circle at least 27 times during Biden's vice presidency. However, you go get some more facts, you look and find out, by the way, Sherwin actually made at least 36 visits during that same time frame. Now, we're not talking about, you know, coming to the office to meet with somebody and on the way, walking down the hallway, a vice president would walk out and say, hey, how you doing? Shake your hand. We're not talking about those. 36 times? 36 times? Why would Schwerin or why would anybody be at the White House or be at Observatory Circle where Vice President Joe Biden lived at the time if they were just exchanging pleasantries? Schwerin was the founding partner and managing director of Hunter's now-dissolved firm, Rosemont Seneca Partners, when he was appointed by then-President Obama to the Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad, an independent U.S. government agency. And that happened in early 2015. Obama reappointed him to the Commission in January of 2017. Eric asked for one of these days, the day after the election in 2008, Hunter revealed about Schwerwin's initial appointment in an email on March 13, 2015. What does the timing of all this say to you? Yeah, we know there was already contact between President Biden, Hunter Biden, and places like China, where Hunter went with Joe on Air Force Two, and then in Ukraine, the Burisma thing, you know, fire the prosecutor, all those. We knew about all that. That happened. But we're just now finding out about what was going on in the other hand, behind Joe's back. He was cutting deals because 2015, what's just ahead? The end of the Obama-Biden presidency and vice presidency was about to end. And of course, the orange man took their places. So what were they doing? Setting up the ATM the Washington, D.C. federal government ATM where they could constantly get renewal payments, setting it all up around the world. Shoreman's White House visits could be much higher than 36 if any of his meetings fell under the White House voluntary disclosure policy exception of purely personal guests. And he might have been classified as that because of his handling of the Biden family's personal finances. The White House will not release access records related to purely personal guests of the first and second families. That's according to the Obama administration's archived website. One of Schwerwin's visits, November 2010, that's when Barack and Joe were still spinning the ball. 
It was a sit-down with Joe Biden in the West Wing. Shorwin also visited Biden's residence at least 15 times for various holiday receptions, including the December 12th holiday reception in 2015. That was just a couple of days after then-Vice President Biden's infamous trip to Ukraine, where he threatened to withhold a billion dollars in U.S. aid if the country's leaders did not fire Viktor Shokin, who at the time was their top prosecutor. You know, we never talk about this particular thing. Listen to this. This is the vice president of the United States. Now, do you think he thought he was a lofty guy that had a lot of power just because I'm Joe Biden? And then the second piece of this thing, what the heck was the vice president of the United States doing in Ukraine And further, what the heck was he doing meddling in the Ukrainian government stuff? What do we have? How did we get authority to even ask the president of Ukraine to fire a federal prosecutor over there? Well, we know why Joe did it. Hunter just got the gig on the board of Burisma Holdings where he was getting $83,333 a month. That's a million dollars a year just because he was a natural gas expert, had a great reputation for that, right? No. Only reason he got it was because I'm Joe Biden was going to take care financially of everybody. Last name, it's all that matters, Joe Biden. The elder Biden was photographed at the December 12, 2015 party by a former Senate staffer who was confirmed through the White House visitor logs as attending the holiday party. In April of 2015, a month after his appointment to the U.S. government, Sherwin visited Biden's residence for what the visitor logs labeled a meeting. The visitor log for April 15 does not list who he met with or whether Biden was even there but the timing will likely spark some questions from GOP on the House Oversight Committee because the meeting taking place one day before Biden's infamous dinner at Cafe Milano with multiple Hunter Business Associates, including top Burisma executive Vadim Porshtovsky. Schwerwin appears to have been present at the dinner. Devin Archer, don't forget about Devin. He confirmed last week that Joe Biden showed up at the upscale Georgetown restaurant Cafe Milano on April 16th and had dinner with several of Hunter's business associates, including Vadim P. from Burisma, blowing the lid off the narrative that the Biden campaign and Biden White House repeatedly pushed, denying Biden attended the dinner. In addition to the receptions and meeting, Sherwin visited with several of Biden's aides throughout the tenure of the Obama-Biden administration. 2016, Shoren met with Steve Ricchetti, who was Biden's chief of staff at the time, and he's currently White House counselor at least twice in room 272 on February 29th and room 276 on August 17th at the old executive office building. That's in 2016. Just, you know, friendly meetings. We sat down and told each other jokes. Yeah, right. 
Schwerin also met with Anne Marie Person, who served as a general assistant at Rosemont Seneca until 2014 before joining Biden in office. At least three times they met between February and June of 2016. According to White House visitor laws, Schwerin met in person in Biden's West Wing office on February 24th, April 8th, and June 9th. It's unclear if Biden was there for those meetings. After all, everybody just runs by the White House, just sticks their head in the door and say, hey, is Joe here today? (laughs) Of course he was there. In addition to Person and Reschetti, Sherwin made three other visits with staffers from Biden's office in 2016. He met with John McGrail, who was a counselor to Biden, on July 15th, again on September 9th at the White House. He met with Caitlin Demers, who was serving as an associate counsel in Biden's office in 2016, and also on June 28th. She was serving as a special assistant to President Biden and then Chief of Staff Ron Klain until last August. Sherwin's earliest documented White House visit during the Obama administration was all the way back in October of 2009 with Evan Ryan, who was married to Biden's Secretary of State Antony Blinken and is currently serving as the White House Cabinet Secretary. He also met with several executive assistants of Biden over the course of multiple years. In 2015, Schwerin worked with Biden's office in trying to quash a Bloomberg news story about Hunter. President Biden has repeatedly denied having any knowledge of his son's business dealings. Let me just, I mean, <laughs> this, I can't believe there's a man in government at any level that would let all of this stuff happen initiate most of it, but let it all happen with all of these sharks circling the water around him, looking at him as dinner, (laughs) and he just let it happen, and then lies through his teeth about it, like this. First of all, I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their business, period. (laughs) August 2019, Joe said that. There wasn't any hint of scandal at all when we were there. It was the same kind of strict, strict rules. That's why I never talk with my son or my brother or anyone else, even distant family, about their business interests, period. I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings or frustrated Biden told Fox News. That's Peter Ducey a month later. You should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. Everybody's looked at it and said there's nothing there. Ask the right question. I don't discuss business with my son, Biden said again, the next month. In October of 2019, we could stay here all day and give you quote after quote after quote after quote. And every one of those quote after quotes were lie after lie. Now, I grew up in South Louisiana. Catholicism rules in South Louisiana. And people are going to lie. People are going to tell little lies, big lies. It doesn't matter if they're big or little, whatever you, t- you, you, you tag the name on what they are. A lie's a lie. Joe's a Catholic. I guess maybe he's making book 
that whenever he gets ready to go, he's going to have the then Pope lined up to give him absolution because the man lies pathologically, I believe. Hey, pathological liar would not be as bad as just a regular old liar that would lie as much as Joe Biden has been caught lying. And then how does Dr. Jill reconcile that? I just thought of that. My wife would beat me like a yard dog if I lied like that all the time. Oh, well. It is what it is, isn't it? Presidential election, race already started. It's coming up next year. I'm already sick of the campaigning. I'm already sick of the ads and the pontification that they all do. Now we find out the largest individual donor to Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis' campaign, has said he's going to stop donating to DeSantis unless changes are made to the campaign. The guy's name is Robert Bigelow, a multimillionaire and owner of the Budget Suites of America. He's donated over $20 million so far to the Never Back Down Political Action Committee, which is the principal super PAC supporting DeSantis' campaign. That accounts for two-thirds of the PAC's fundraising in the first half of this year. Saturday, this past weekend, Bigelow said he would stop funding DeSantis' campaign until it exhibited a more moderate policy platform, according to comments made to Reuters. He does need to shift to get to moderates. He'll lose if he doesn't. Extremism isn't going to get you elected, Bigelow said, before adding that he would donate he wouldn't donate more money until I see that he's able to generate generate more money on his own. I'm already too big a percentage. Now this guy Bigelow, very good friend of Ron DeSantis. He had previously contributed $10 million to DeSantis' Florida gubernatorial re-election campaign back in 2022, which at the time exceeded the sum of all donations he had received. Bigelow once said he would give me more money and go without food to support DeSantis. That's according to Time Magazine. In objecting to the DeSantis campaign, Bigelow said he opposed Florida's enactment of a heartbeat abortion law in April, which bans the aborting of pregnancies in the state after a fetal heartbeat is detected, usually after six weeks of pregnancy. Bigelow said that the threshold was too early and prohibited abortions even before many women know they're pregnant. Still, Bigelow told Reuters that DeSantis remains the best guy for the country. And there's another large donor named Andy Sabin, who owns a metals manufacturing company, announced in May he would stop supporting DeSantis' campaign over abortion issues. I don't think he can win a national election with his viewpoint on abortion. Sabin told that to Reuters in a separate interview. Many conservative and religious groups like Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, Concerned Women for America, and even the Catholic Church oppose all abortions and have pressed DeSantis' campaign to take more anti-abortion positions. DeSantis has made socially conservative policies regarding gender, education, and abortion the central theme of his campaign. Now I'm going to raise my hand. I'm sitting in the studio with my hand in the air. I agree with that. I am a pro-life guy. Pro-life. I cannot find any way in all of humanity 
to justify aborting a child. Now, I don't have the right to say that, do I? Why? Because I'm a man. You can't call me a man. You don't know if I self-identify as a man, a woman, or a poodle. But whichever way I feel or say I feel that day, you've got to honor it. (laughs) Another aspect of Bigelow's criticism was declining interest of donors in supporting his candidacy. Several billionaire GOP donors like hedge fund manager Ken Griffin and investor Jeffrey Ass have withdrawn their support for DeSantis over his conservative policies. That's according to Politico. While other billionaires like Blackstone founder Steve Schwartzman have declined to support him at all, Bigelow said he'd conveyed his concerns to DeSantis' campaign manager. It was a long period of silence when I thought maybe she had passed out, he said but I think she took it all in. DeSantis right now has 15.7% support nationwide in the GOP primary, according to Real Clear Politics. Former President Trump has 53.7%. And so how do you handle that if you're Ron DeSantis? Well, just look at what he's been doing the last two weeks. Look at what former Vice President Mike Pence is doing now. What do you do whenever you're in a in a heat? If you're in a business and you want a big gig, you're trying to get a job, a big job that'll make you a buttload full of money, you'll say anything about the other company you're competing against. You'll do everything you can to demean them. And they all think because Donald Trump did it in 2016, they can do it the same way, and because they're smarter than Trump, they both think that, they can do it better than he did it. And yet every time a new indictment comes out, what happens? Look, the underdog, in this case Donald Trump, there are two reasons why people will support him like they will never support anybody else running for the GOP nomination. What are those two things? Number one, he's been there once and he showed us what he not only could do, but what he would do, and he doed it. Everything that he promised he was going to do if he got elected, he completed. The only ones he didn't was the ones he had to have Congress aboard. And then Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, anti-Trump guy to the bone, wouldn't put the House on them to get those passed. But yet DeSantis, Mike Pence, they're already throwing dirt and piling it up even higher every way. You know, the only other candidate that has got his head together, Vivek Ramaswamy. He refuses to denigrate Donald Trump. Wonder why that is. It's because he's a smart guy, and he knows the American people really like Donald Trump. And even if the number is only 75 million, that's 75 million who voted for him in 2020, 75 that voted. How many more million are there out there? And these guys, DeSantis and Mike Pence, they're just denigrating the opinions of all those people. That's why neither of them has a snowball's chance in hell 
of winning this thing. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it. For a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's Biggie Bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? song is Sugarloaf. I don't know of another song that they did, but boy, Green-Eyed Lady sure was a, uh, a big hit. Steve Baker, my buddy, I think you're on the line. How are you, sir? Well, I'm on the line, but I'm not, uh, for some reason, it's not going through my console. Can you hear me on the phone here? I hear you perfectly. Oh, well, we'll, then we'll just, uh, we'll go with the simple route today then. You don't have <laughs> don't, that normal, you know, deep deep throaty voice that you get when you go through your system do you want to well let me tell you (laughs) i can i can i can go down there today because i haven't had any sleep over the last four days so Uh, oh my god i've got morning voice well um (laughs) i i understand how that works um you want to tell us why you're having such a poor problem sleeping you got a guilty conscience about something no, not at all. As a matter of fact, um, quite quite the opposite. I've been, uh, you know, look, we're we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, so we we're, we're all guilty of something. But I'm trying to figure out what the possibility is uh, of or what possible uh, justification the federal government now has for going after me and apparently uh, about to prosecute me for some sort of felony related to January 6th, considering that I was there just as a journalist and I was there doing no violence. I did no property damage. I didn't attack anybody. I didn't chant. I didn't even sing the star spangled banner. All I did was wield a camera. And, uh, and now we have a a grand jury uh, convened and a subpoena uh, executed and sent to me yesterday and I am being, and by the way, just so your listeners understand the technicality of the law, they do not seat a grand jury for misdemeanor offenses. So they're obviously looking at me for some, uh, some felony and we, myself and my attorneys, we can't figure it out. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see what it's going to be. Was the subpoena for a specific appearance by you? 
Yes. Uh, except, except with a with a with a uh, caveat here, if the if the subpoena had been for me to testify, then they cannot call me to testify against myself in a grand jury situation. So, but instead, this subpoena is for me to appear and deliver my January sixth videos, which could be. Yeah, it could be a case of nothing more than they're needing my videos for um, another case. They need it for evidence in somebody else's uh, uh, investigation. That could be, except that there's a, another problem with that. This subpoena is signed by the assistant U.S. attorney who was handling my case 20 months ago. So they have apparently reopened the investigation into me. Wow. I told you they've been listening. <laughs> well, we certainly have known about that, haven't we? I, I'm not laughing at you, Steve. I'm laughing with you. We're both Christians. Oh, yeah. We're both Christians. And we know that scripture that says, all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. I'm like you, though. Heartburn and not being able to sleep. <laughs> Those are bad prices to pay especially when down the road, thankfully, there's not going to be anything to it. Hopefully, there's not going to be anything to it. It's just going to be to get your videos in their hands, which they've seen most of. I'm pretty sure they have a lot of, I mean, I mean those, oh, those videos have been all over the world. I saw them, yeah, I, I I saw them looking, looking online at the newspaper in Zurich, Switzerland. There it was with yeah, your little byline. Dan, this is this is what this is what makes this so much more uh, transparent, and what their efforts are is that I I have not held anything back. I mean, I've got junk video that was, uh, you know, not really usable. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I took you know video of my my shoelaces out there when you get bumped around or sure. you bump the button yeah. on your camera and that sort of thing. So I, there's a lot of junk that I didn't uh, didn't use or, or or send out to HBO and the New York Times and to all of the other news agencies who have licensed my videos for the last two and a half years. So uh, everything that I have of any value to them, they have already seen. More importantly, anything that I have of any value to them is um, uh, that they would be looking for. Dan, they have more video of me from open source video, from Metropolitan Police body cameras, from Capitol CCTV cameras than I have of myself. I mean, I, first of all, I'm not in any of my videos, but they listen to your voice. They want to hear if you chanted. They want to hear what your conversations were with the other people. Were you conspiring with other people to commit a crime? That, that, that's why they want my video. But more importantly, what they're trying to tra- what they're trying to do is they're trying to tra- entrap me in a process crime, because you know it's been it's been over two years since they opened their investigation into me, and it's been over twenty months since they first threatened to prosecute me, and when they told my attorney twenty months ago that I uh, that I would be charged within the week, and then. Uh, after a week of back and forth with the um, uh, assistant U.S. Uh, uh, attorney, all of a sudden they went silent, and we didn't hear from them for over 20 months until this past Friday. All right. And so we we know we're 
fairly well convinced that what is happening is because of the work that I'm doing. The timing is absolutely transparent. It's not a coincidence, but because of the work that I've been doing of late, which we've talked about on your show for you know quite some time now, and and because they know that I'm on the cusp of a explosive story, which implicates both the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation in a conspiracy to both um, uh, hide evidence and then to also create evidence against certain January 5th, 6th defendants that did not exist. They literally created it out of whole cloth. They know what I've been working on, Dan. And so this is this is not a, a coincidence by any means that they would suddenly reopen this case against me and then also hand it over to a uh, grand jury and also uh, have the desire to um, uh, or somehow manufacture a felony charge when the only thing I did that day was take video. So it's, it's, it's clear that what they're trying to do is in this process is to create what we would, what was generally regarded to as a process crime. Uh, because, you know, 20 months have gone by. I've, uh, I've got new devices. I've got new computers. I've got new telephone. I don't, I don't have all the same data that I had 20 months ago when they yeah. told me not to delete anything from my phone or whatever. Yeah. And of course I didn't. when they told me not to delete anything from my phone or from my computer, I didn't, but then guess what? My computer got old. It got a hard drive, got filled up and I had to go buy a new one and you know, files go away. I have clean, you know, and, and finally, you know, after, after, you know, six months, 10 months, 12 months go by and you haven't heard from them, you start living your life normally again. So we know what they're doing. Yeah. Just I'm one. Tell, and just, I'm telling them right now, those, those that are listening to us right now, I'm telling you, we know what we're doing. Gotcha. Let me ask you a question. Has your attorney given any thought and discussed with you or you, have you thought about a possibility that they might be bringing you in, targeting someone else that you've interacted with or you've been with, and uh, they're bringing you in to set you up as a witness against somebody? They uh, they would have subpoenaed me for an appearance if that was the case, not for my uh, video. And that's what they do to members of the press is they, in order, because they have to get ahead of that, in order for them to start the process that we believe that they're starting, uh, they have to actually issue a subpoena. And you see that they've moved against uh, Catherine Harridge from uh, CBS this week. Their subpoena, they've subpoenaed her and uh, given her a demand to turn over. This is, and of course, this is CBS News. This isn't little old Steve Baker. Uh, CBS News, they're, they're forcing a mainstream media, very famous journalist, to uh, reveal her sources on a story. Caveat for that um, is at that time, she was an employee of Fox news. She left well, after January six and went to CBS. <laughs> That's going to yes. create Pandora's, um, one of Pandora's box of box events, I think. Um, cause CBS, I don't think they're going to lay down for the federal government. But they, if they do it once they're stuck, they'll be destroyed. Oh, absolutely. And, and they and they shouldn't lay down. And Dan and little old Steve Baker sitting here in my office in Raleigh, North Carolina right now is not going to lay down either. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to subject myself to um, worrying about, I mean, look, I've, I've got anxiety that I've had to deal with. I'm not sleeping well for the last four days, as you can might, might imagine, but I've had 20 months plus to prepare for this day, should it ever arise. And, and um, you know, I, I, I was I was literally threatened in the cover letter to the subpoena. I'm going to read it to you. Okay. I'm going to read you. I'm, I'm just going to read you the, the 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 third paragraph of the cover letter from the assistant U.S. attorney uh, Anita Eve, in which she says, "Although you are not required to do so, you are requested not to disclose the existence of this subpoena." Did you hear what I just said, Dan? I'm going to read that again. Although you are not required to do so, you are requested not to disclose the existence of this subpoena. And then it goes on. Any such disclosure could impede the investigation being conducted and thereby interfere with the enforcement of the law. That's a direct threat. That, <laughs> is, not, that is telling Hey, that's the exact, you're in the exact same spot in that regard, as is Donald Trump, this whole yes. uh, this whole attack against him, and obviously looks like it's going to be the same attack against you. It's a First Amendment attack. They're going to prosecute <laughs> Donald Trump and maybe you for exercising your First Amendment rights. And then in that veiled threats you just read to me, which that's what it is, they're saying. We're warning you that you probably shouldn't exercise your First Amendment rights and tell anybody about what we're about to do to you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this is this is not just a um, a threat against my First Amendment rights as a journalist. This is a, a threat against my First Amendment rights to free speech. Absolutely, as my as a citizen of the United States. Absolutely, and they they have to, and they and they cover themselves by saying. Although you're not required to do so, which means although it's not illegal, we're asking you not to disclose the very existence of the subpoena. And, and I'm like, no, just the, the very fact that you told me not to disclose it, I'm telling the world. I did a tweet last night at about five o'clock that as uh, I was there, I, looked I was at, there. I was there. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the last I looked at seven o'clock this morning, it had over a million views. And, and, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to not talk about this. Well, this just, is, this just, just is so you know, exactly, you, you've got about 900,000 people listening to you right now. Well, good. Go let's for just it. Keep adding those millions. <laughs> let's keep adding those millions up because look, the, 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 as, as, as we've heard that, that phrase, and it's, it's not just a, a nice cliche, but you know, daylight is the, is the best disinfectant. And the only way that we're going to purge ourselves of this infection that has infected our federal government, our department of so-called justice, the FBI and such is to, is to get the word out there and to let the people know what these uh, people are doing. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm upset at being personally uh, persecuted and I know you can hear it in my voice and I apologize for it, but I've already been doing interviews all morning too. So I'm pretty amped up right now. But the, the point being is, is that I'm, I'm, um, uh, I'm resolute in that. And I, I said, I said this, uh, on an interview last night, I said, look, I would rather spend five years in prison 
than not tell the truth. And if they can get me on a process crime, if they can get me on obstruction of justice in a threat, this is not even a veiled threat. I mean, we know exactly what this is. I just got off the phone doing an interview with Kyle Serafin uh, on his podcast, uh, the FBI whistleblower, and I read this to the same paragraph to him. And he said, oh, he said they're threatening you with obstruction of justice right there. And I said, yes, I know. And this, this is from a, an experienced former you know, uh, FBI agent. He recognized what it was on its face instantly. And I did too. But this is, uh, this is the America that we live in now, Dan. My dad used to call what just happened to you in this summons that you got, this subpoena that you got. He called it, the government took out their shotgun and they're using it on you. And what he was referencing is if you, if you know what you're going to go after with a specific target, you don't need a shotgun. You don't use a shotgun. Use a 22, just one bullet. Yeah. But if you're kind of hunting and pecking, you want to make sure that you cover everything, which is what the FBI is doing now, not just with you, but with a lot of other people. That's what Jack Smith, the special counsel, is doing. He's trying to get as many damaged people as possible. So he pulls out the shotgun, and he's got about 100 different pellets. The target is wider and gets more people. They don't know what yeah. they're going to find out or where they need to go to find out, but they know they're losing, and so they're getting desperate. I think that's what it boils down to. And they don't think the American people, like you, are going to stand up to all of this. You're the enigma in, in the Department of Justice, in the rule of law that is being practiced as they're practicing it now. You and Donald Trump are the enigma that they just didn't think they'd ever have to face. And they're losing ground. Every time they do another indictment against Trump, his percentages go up, and everybody is for the guy that's being bullied by the federal government. It'll be the same thing with you. Yeah, you know, and, and as, as your listeners know, I've never been a Trump supporter, but heck, I may I may uh, send him a letter and say, hey, I'll, I'll be your running mate here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe, hey, well, ma you know, maybe y'all can be the uh, 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 the convict of the convict of the month in jail <laughs> together. Oh, my gosh. That's right. That's right. Uh, we, we have a seditious conspiracy uh, ticket here for uh, – <laughs> no, it, it – it's it's absolutely absurd in in every way that we can think of, and, and and as I said, Dan, I've had two years to process this, so this isn't new. But when you go through twenty months of them leaving you alone, you think, okay, they've they've dropped your case. And I talked to professional, you know, court uh, mainstream media court reporters who have also. Uh, followed my case and they, they've all told me, Oh, I, I, look, they, you know, if, if it's 20 months, they're, they're, they're going to leave you alone. They're not going to bother you. And, and I think that they're probably right in their perceptions. That that's probably from their own experience, what was taking place, but they also didn't calculate the work that I've been doing, the whistleblowers that I've been developing, the cases that I've been, I, I mean, the original content, the original revelations that I've made in, in my work for the last two years, specifically related to uh, January 6th, but not just that. But the, the, the bottom line is, is they also know what's coming. They know what is 
in the hopper right now and they know that I'm about to drop a bombshell on them. And I think that they're trying to scare me into some sort of subservience, silence, whatever. But, you know, uh, wrong, wrong guy. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, I didn't, I didn't wear the mask of subservience when I was told to back under the COVID uh, uh, regime. I didn't take the vaccine when I was uh, told that I had to in order to play in certain theaters with my band. I didn't do that. And I'm not going to lay down to this uh, tyranny either. Well, you hit the nail on the head when you called it tyranny. That's what it is. I want to point something out to you. Probably in all of this stuff, you haven't seen the numbers I'm going to tell you about. And I'm bringing up this just simply to illustrate where the majority of the American people are in their thinking about all things to deal with our government right now. Second Amendment stuff. Do you have any idea how many guns have been purchased over the last four years legally (laughs) where you go to the a you go to the store and they fill out that. ATF form on you and they send it in and then they either approve you or tell you you can't buy a gun. How many times over the last 48 months have guns been sold legally through that process? I would, I'm going to have to guess because I've seen the headline but have not read the story, but I'm going to guess that given what people's fears have been and how those have been stoked, I would say somewhere in the area of 50 million. You missed it by two. A million a month. A million a A month. Over 48 months. 48 million. Now, these are new guns. These are new purchases. Right, right, right. So our government, the part of our government that is anti-Second Amendment, that is pro-big government, anti-real democratic-style government, those people think that they can amass enough power to just blow through the other part of the the American populace. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter about what the law says. I mean, we see it play out every day. We talk about it every week, Steve. Look at what's happening at the yeah. southern border. Millions coming, just walking in, and everyone that steps across the border, it's an illegal action for them. But it's also for Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden who are letting it happen. They don't care about law. They don't care about what's right. They can just do whatever they want to do. And they sold short the fact that the American people are one big glob of people that (laughs) like who they are, where they live, what they do, and all the rights that they have. And they're not going to let anybody take those away from them illegally, including Uncle Sam. Now, I'm not threatening. I'm not calling to arms. I'm not doing anything. I'm just saying, give me another explanation why Donald Trump's approval ratings keep going up every time he's indicted. You would think, and those on the left think, that Americans are going to turn on him. No, they're not, simply because of those two things. Number one, he's being bullied, and people don't like bullies. And number two, the American people know what he can do because he already did it. Same thing is well, happening exactly, to you, you're, I think. You're, you're, you're exactly right, Dan. And, and that's exactly what, you know, I, I experienced in the last few days of uh, the uh, of 
reinitiating a media offensive against the persecution powers of the of the state. And that's the only the only weapon I have and the only weapon I'm willing to use, just as you as you covered yourself a moment ago, the only weapon I'm willing to use is my speech, is my pen, is my keyboard. The words that I'm saying right now on your show, Kyle's show before the the, the three interviews I did yesterday and the, the many more I'm doing over the next and have scheduled over the next few days is to just tell the American public what's happening and try and get as many people to join me in the battle and engage not with their guns, not with their rifles, not with their, uh, you know, their any weapon of war other than our speech, because that is the first right that our founders gave us is the right to push back with our words, with our thoughts. And that is what the war is. As I have talked about with you so many times on this show over the last several months is the number one domestic threat against the American people right now today is the weaponization against our speech. And we're seeing it at every level. As you mentioned before, we're seeing it in the Trump indictment. We're seeing it in my indictment. We're seeing it in the, um, the, the these January 6 trials. Everyone is getting charged more ferociously, fiercely, and sentenced to longer sentences based on their speech than their actual deeds. And in the case of January 6th defendants, and especially in the case of me, there is nothing else they can do except shut down my speech by creating a crime that doesn't exist. I mean, Dan, I admittedly walked into the Capitol building that day. They, If they just wanted to do a quick you know, indictment and charge. They could hit me with the, the, the misdemeanor charge of entering a restrict, restricted space. In fact, no journalist is exempted from entering a restricted space because they have First Amendment privilege. That doesn't exist in the law, federal or state. So they could just hit me with that charge, get their, you know, quick uh, notch on their gun belt and move forward. But why are they trying to manufacture a felony charge it's only because they have to shut down my speech. Well, my man, we're up against what Donald Trump termed way back in 2015. We're up against the swamp, a swamp monster, and it's got to be fed something to keep it alive, and it's growing, and they're purposely feeding it because with him comes all of their power over all of the rest of America. And the lust for power is what's driven this government, the Biden administration, and everything that they're doing that is so illegal, so unconstitutional, so anti-American. If I hear another person out there call Donald Trump an authoritarian, these people don't have a clue what authoritarianism is. Donald Trump's yeah. the epitome of an authoritarian. And what he did his four years was the opposite. 180 degrees of authoritarianism. What he did was democracy. Give power back to the people. Authoritarian leaders, they take sole control of everything. They make every decision. They don't give a rip about what anybody thinks or what the law says. They're going to do what yeah. they want to do. And the American people, they're scared to death. Not the American people, the swamp creature is scared to death that the people are learning what's going on 
and are drawing together and are going to take their big party away from them. And they're, they're just desperate. That's what's going on, Steve. That's why you're getting caught up with this. That's why they're doing everything they're doing with Donald Trump. He gets it. I haven't talked to him. Uh, Mike Johnson has. Mike's on this show. He was on this show last week. He'll be on the show next week. He basically says they're scared of Trump because they can't believe that the American people really recognized what he did in his four years and that the American people so desperately want that back in place of the crap that's been shoveled into our mouths every day since January the 20th of 2021. I hate to tell you this, but you're a target just because of that for no other reason. It's not about you. It's about what you do and who you are, but not about you personally. Listen, I feel strongly about what I'm going to tell you. I want to pray for you right now. You okay with that? I'm 100% okay with that, Dan. Father, consider your servant, Steve Baker. He's under assault. It's not attack. He's under assault. Evil has not crept across our nation. It's swept across our nation. And the evil manufacturers are rampant, and they're running in fear because they see people like Steve Baker and people like everybody that's part of Truth News Network, TNN Live, the eyes have opened, and they're running as fast and hard as they can towards the evil to destroy it. I pray that you would protect Steve Baker. I pray that you would give him peace, give him a good night's sleep, and any fear that may be there, I curse it in Jesus' name. I want freedom and liberty and peace for my buddy. And I pray that you would give him favor in the eyes of those that are the decision makers in this process and that you would cut it off. You would just stop this, whatever it is, because we know, they know, the facts do not justify this action that they're taking against Steve Baker and many of the other January 6th defendants that many of them are in jail already, their lives destroyed for the same reason, for power, lust for power and all that it brings. Again, Father, please give peace to Steve Baker and let him feel confident every time fear creeps up. Let him feel confident that you've got this and he's going to be okay. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dan. Buddy, well, I, I, to, I, don't, to, I, I don't think I need to tell you this, but I'm in this with you personally. Thank you. I know you didn't. I, I, I know that. And I just want to issue a call to action to those who are listening today. More so than ever before, uh, I need you to go over to either, you know, if you're, if you're not on Twitter, go get a free uh, sign up free on my locals page. Both of them are the same access. It's TPC for USA. 
tpc4usa.com is how to access my locals uh, community. And then, of course, uh, Twitter is, uh, of course, it's not Twitter anymore. It's X now, but it's uh, at TPC4USA. You can also find me the same exact handle over on Facebook, but I've been diminishing my Facebook account. And there's really no reason to go join there because Facebook, the day if I do, in fact, get indicted uh, for any charge, misdemeanor or otherwise related to January 6th, Facebook uh, closes my accounts the same day. They're like, you know, they have a direct pipeline to the Department of Justice on that. So there's no sense in going and joining that. But Elon is protecting us over on Twitter and uh, my locals page is a a free speech community. So I would encourage anybody to to come over there so that I can keep you posted on what's going on. And the locals page, you can join for free. Uh, There is no uh, paid subscription required. Uh, but if they if they can support what we're doing, I, I do not have a give send go set up yet. That will not be set up unless I am indicted. But the um, uh, they can certainly support what we're doing uh, over there. But more importantly, that's my first place where news and information goes. Not just about this situation, but uh, all of my uh, first issue uh, uh, news stories happen on locals first. <clears throat> let me so, ju- anyway. let me let me just throw this out there. I just thought of this while you were mm-hmm. talking. Um, the stories that we publish get massive readership every day. Why don't you today, no rush, why don't you sometime today, before 10 o'clock tonight, my time, write a story, just write a story, uh, just a brief synopsis of what you're facing. And I'm going to publish that story tomorrow morning. It'll be live at 1.45 a.m. But in addition to what you write And I want you, in the story you write, at the bottom of it, put the details in that you just gave us live about how to support you financially. And we're going to add to it, we're going to pull this segment of today's show out, and we're going to post it at the bottom of the story. So not only will people read what you say, they'll know how to support you, and they'll be able to take today's audio soundbite, download it, forward it, do everything that they want to do with it. But we need to get the word out in a bigger and greater way. You okay with that? Yeah, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Well, send me that and don't worry about it. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. It's just basically giving us an update because all of our people understand what you've been uh, going through and that it might be imminent for them to go postal on you. And so as it, as it looks <laughs> yeah. like that's what they're going to do, we want to help you. So do that, and we'll get that published tomorrow. I will get that out for you, Dan. Thank you. Once again, buddy, you're my hero. I respect you a lot, mm. and I, uh, I'm really happy to call you my good friend, and I've got your back. Whatever happens, and not just in this and anything else, you're always welcome here at TNN Live. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, everyone. Have a good one. I'll keep you posted. I'll keep you posted. All, All right, right we'll do. Thank All you. Right. Wow. I can't imagine how I would feel if I was facing the same kind of stuff. And all I can say is um, we can help him. So, again, all of those that are listening, that story will go up tomorrow. It'll be live at 1.45 East, uh, Central Time, 1.45 a.m. And you can go to the website. You can pull the story down. You can... Download it, copy it, put it on your Facebook page, your Twitter, or your X. You can do any of that and use it as you want to. And this 
interview that we just did, this segment that Steve and I just did, it will be in a MP3 format link at the bottom of the story, and you'll be able to download the link and post it anywhere and everywhere. People that stand in the gap for righteousness like him, like he's doing, we just need to support them and help them out. It's pretty much the only way that we're going to get involved And we need to be involved because this is our country. It's not the politician's country. It's our country. And if we want to keep it that way, we've got to keep it that way, right? And what's the old TNN Live saying? Nothing changes if nothing changes. And there needs to be a change about this whole vile process that the federal government is using against the American people. It's got to stop. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the Bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. Mr. Rippermorph. Yes, Dorothy. A reporter and crew from New Center 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7? Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paper clips for $2,000. They were multicolored paper clips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window, down the fire escape, and then booked down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Rippemoff? Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Waste Busters in action. You can't escape them, sir. They're the Waste Busters. News Center 7 Waste Busters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavour is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. magic woman. (laughs) I don't believe in magic. I really don't. I believe it's out there, but I believe it's not magic. It's trickery. And I think it all originates at the pits of hell. Just my personal opinion. 
He mentioned, Steve Baker just mentioned, Catherine Herridge. A judge has ordered Catherine Herridge, originally with Fox News. Now she's been with CBS for a couple of years now. They ordered her to reveal her sources for stories on the FBI and also a Chinese-American scientist. The scientist has already deposed 18 current and former government employees, but she's been unable to confirm the sources for the story. So here's how it goes. A D.C. federal judge ordered CBS News senior correspondent Catherine Herridge to reveal her source or sources for a series of stories about the FBI's investigation of a Chinese-American scientist. The order last week from Judge Christopher Cooper comes after scientist Yang Ping Chen filed a lawsuit against the FBI claiming that the agency violated the Privacy Act by improperly leaking information about her. She was with Fox News. This happened back in 2017. She went... When she was there, she used a confidential source or sources to get material about the federal counterintelligence probe of that scientist, Yang Pin Chen. The Fox series focused on Chen, who was associated with China's People's Liberation Army and is president of the taxpayer-funded University of Management and Technology in Rossland, Virginia. Chen's husband, J. Davidson Frame, is dean of that university. The FBI raided the school twice back in 2012. But even after the raids, it still got more than $6 million from the Defense Department. Now put all this in context. This is really strange. As part of her case against the FBI, Chin subpoenaed Herridge and Fox in an attempt to reveal the sources for the articles. Both Fox and Herridge fought the move by arguing that the judge should quash the subpoenas because the press is protected under the First Amendment. Here's a quote. The court recognizes both the vital importance of a free press and the critical role that confidential sources play in the work of investigative journalists like Herridge. Cooper, an Obama appointee, wrote in his ruling, Chin's need for the requested evidence overcomes Herridge's qualified First Amendment privilege in this case. Now that, remember, is the judge's opinion. That doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's constitutional. His opinion. There are numerous First Amendment cases in the rearview mirror that say without question that claim cannot quash Herridge's First Amendment rights. The judge limited Chen's deposition subpoena to only include non-privileged matters related to the Privacy Act claim, but Chen's document subpoena was deferred. Chen has already deposed 18 current and former government employees, including four FBI employees, and obtained 22 government declarations but she's been unable to confirm the sources for the Fox story. The ruling has raised concerns about protections for the press. Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press director Gabe Rotman told CNN this, quote, while the Privacy Act provides essential protections for the public, using it to breach reporter source confidentiality poses significant risk 
to a free press. You think? If they break this open and force this to happen, there is no free speech. Big Brother's going to be watching and listening. So while we're in legal world, let's just spend a couple of minutes more in legal war. This has to do with the former president. Florida-based federal judge Eileen Cannon, she's the judge that is going to and already has take up the document gate, if you want to call it that. That was for the classified documents seized by the FBI from Mar-a-Lago. Judge Cannon asked the U.S. Department of Justice to justify its continuing use of a District of Columbia grand jury in hopes of laying additional charges in the case about Donald Trump's handling of classified government records down at his Florida home. Now, when I heard about this, I I just felt like this smells. Mar-a-Lago's in the suburbs of Miami, north of Miami. The judge and where the case was filed is in Florida. So why would the special counsel keep a grand jury? Why would he have a grand jury in Washington, D.C. on this case that happened all down in Florida. Using the work of a grand jury in one jurisdiction to indict a defendant out of state isn't necessarily unconstitutional, but it is quite unusual. The records case is being held in that judge's courtroom, Eileen Cannon in Fort Pierce, Florida. DOJ Special Counsel Smith brought 40 federal felony counts in Florida for the alleged illegal retention of U.S. defense information related to 337 documents with classified markings, obstruction, and lying to the government. The indictment for the obstruction counts was announced in late July, came after the bulk of the counts had already been made public. Trump allegedly engaged in obstruction by directing that security footage from his residence at the Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach, Florida, be deleted. Not charged or claimed that they were deleted, but just that Trump ordered them to be deleted. In other words, a thought crime. I thought about deleting them, but I decided it was illegal, so I didn't delete them. That sounds ridiculous, but they weren't deleted. In fact, they were turned over. This District of Columbia grand jury indicted Trump for his alleged efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Smith is also overseeing that prosecution. Trump was indicted earlier this year in Cannon's District, the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida, for multiple felony counts related to those government records and his handling of them that were kept at Mar-a-Lago. You know, very unsafe conditions. It's almost as bad as, oh, I don't know, keeping classified documents as a vice president, 1,800 boxes of them. Some of those documents were kept in the garage where Joe parks his Corvette. No security there whatsoever. 1,800 boxes. There's many, many many more things about that that smells. Oh, by the way, at Mar-a-Lago, 24-hour security around the clock in every square inch of Mar-a-Lago by Secret Service. 
there was a special counsel appointed to the Biden classified document issue. Heard anything about that? Oh, no, nothing. They're not going to do anything. It's Joe Biden, the FBI DOJ. It's Merrick Garland, Attorney General, and Christopher Wray, FBI Director. They got Joe's back. The 40th president is accused of violating the Federal Espionage Act and other federal statutes for allegedly conspiring to obstruct justice, make false statements, conceal documents. The indictment states that Trump stored classified documents in unauthorized locations at his home, including in his bedroom, a bathroom, and a ballroom. Mr. Trump also allegedly shared some of the materials with others who lacked security clearances. In her order on August 7th, Judge Cannon directed the DOJ to, quote, address the legal propriety of using an out-of-district grand jury proceeding to continue to investigate and or to seek post-indictment hearings on matters pertinent to the instant indicted matter in this district. And there's a deadline she put on that is all supposed to be done by August 22nd for Smith to reply. May 20th next year is when this trial's going to come off. That's when it's scheduled for. There's no way. It'll never be done before the election. You know why? Think about it. All of these documents. What happens in a trial? Both sides, defense and prosecution. They and their staff, they access, in this case, it'll be tens of thousands of pages of documents that will be used in this trial, but there's a little fly in the ointment that nobody was thinking about. Every person that even touches or sees any of these classified documents has to go through before they can an exhaustive classified application process. They have to be investigated, their past look at potential criminality. Have you ever had a car wreck? had a speeding ticket, ever used drugs, maybe even be drug tested. We're talking about, in this case, you put in Florida, you put in Washington, D.C., you're talking about, if not hundreds, at least close to 100 different people that will have to go through that before they can even start doing discovery. What's discovery? It's where each side, they file motions of discovery for specific documents. It may be testimony. It may be letters. It could be emails and text. All of that rolled in. And before any of that can be done, before it can even be noted in writing that this is what they want, everybody in this thing has got to be cleared and given classification that makes it okay for them to do that. That's just one little bitty thing. This will never happen. It will never happen. It'll happen, but not before the election. Got some news about President Biden's policies on letting all these illegals coming into the nation. His deputies are hiding a huge and growing population of at least 2 million, 2 million foreign white-collar contract workers in the U.S. jobs needed by U.S. graduates and their families. 
Americans should be outraged that the federal government is not disclosing the number of long-term so-called temporary workers who are here. This is according to Jessica Vaughn, policy director at the Center for Immigration Studies. And she continued saying, it almost seems as if the government's actually trying to hide it from the public because these statistics are reported in such an opaque way and some of these numbers are never reported. You must resort to detective work to figure out how many foreign workers are actually here. The laws, regulations, and loopholes effectively allow U.S. companies to import as many foreign white-collar workers as they want for as long as they want. This reality means that CEOs can, at a whim, import more foreign workers to prevent any rise in U.S. salaries. Here's an example. The U.S. economy is shedding white-collar jobs, but lobbyists and journalists are pushing labor shortage claims for new jobs in government-funded chip factories in the Midwest. So far, Republican senators have blocked industry efforts to expand the flow of foreign workers into those factories. The State Department's incomplete data reviewed by Breitbart News shows a population of at least one and a half million foreign workers here in white-collar jobs. One and a half million. Every one of those one and a half million should have gone to an American young person that's out of work looking for a job that's qualified. That huge population is the output from almost two years of American business, healthcare, and STEM graduates. And it allows major U.S. investors to keep their salaries down, minimize the ability of U.S. graduates to enforce professional standards for quality and security. We have seen how it dilutes the clout of American workers because employers will either replace Americans who are doing certain kinds of work and they can threaten to do so. Vaughn said that by adding this. It puts them in a weaker position with respect to their employment because they become afraid to complain because they don't want to be replaced, right? They just shut up and keep their noses down. Lower paying jobs, not as many benefits, and in many cases, those foreign workers They're not formally added to the U.S. federal payroll of those workers. Many of them are paid under the table, paid with cash, and therefore the employer saves a whole bunch of employee fees and Medicare and Social Security taxes. I'm serious. This has a lot to do with that one thing. Yesterday, Speaker McCarthy went toe-to-toe with some reporters about the Trump situation. And this reporter accused Donald Trump of telling all kinds of 2020 election lies. Listen to McCarthy and how he responded. Well, we can rewind that. You know, Donald Trump still saying the election in 2020 was fraud. There was fraudulent activity going on. Yeah. That Joe Biden didn't win. Yeah. And I can say the same thing that Hillary Clinton says about her election that she lost. I can say the same thing about the DNC who said it about um, the 2016 race. I can say the same thing about those in the Democratic Party from the leadership on down about George Bush not winning, that Al Gore did. But were any of them prosecuted? 
Were any of them put in jail? Were any of them held with no response to be able to get out? The answer is no. So yeah, you can raise that, that someone raised a question. And you know in America, you are entitled to raise a question. You're entitled to question whether it was honest or not. That's the uniqueness of the First Amendment. That's the uniqueness of America. But you know what? You shouldn't be prosecuted for your thoughts. And the difference here is, when Hillary Clinton said it, nothing happened to her. When they said it in Georgia's election, nothing happened to them either. You know what? When the DNC said it, nothing happened to them either. So stop using government to go after people who politically disagree with you. That is wrong, and that should stop now. You hear what the media, the mainstream media, are going to. They're using every allegation, every weapon, every question that they can to try to hang Trump. That's what it's all about. Alan Dershowitz, very knowledgeable constitutional attorney. Let me give you a little bit about him. Felix Frank Furter, professor of law, emeritus at Harvard Law School, the author most recently of The Price of Principle, Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences. He is the Jack Roth Charitable Foundation Fellow at Gatestone Institute and is also the host of the Dershow podcast, Alan Dershowitz. He asked this question yesterday, a salient question. Can Donald Trump get a fair, impartial jury in Washington, D.C.? The Sixth Amendment to the U.S. in our Constitution guarantees any accused the right to an impartial jury. But it also states the trial shall take place in the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. What should happen, therefore, when it's virtually impossible for the defendant to get an impartial jury in that state or the district? What do you do then? Well, in federal cases, the law provides for a change of venue under appropriate circumstances. The prosecution of Trump for the events around January 6th would seem to call for a change of venue. That would make sense. District of Columbia is the most extreme Democrat district in the country. About 95% of potential jurors registered there are Democrat and vote Democrat, whereas 5% voted for Trump. Furthermore, the anger against Trump is understandable in light of the fact that the events of January 6th directly involved many D.C. district citizens. Moreover, the judge randomly selected to preside over this case has a long history of bias against Trump and his supporters, and her law firm has a long history of conflicts and corruption. The goal of the Sixth Amendment is to assure not only the defendant is treated right, but that the appearance of justice is satisfied as well. A jury and judge that are impartial and seen to be impartial are essential to achieving that goal. It is imperative, therefore, that in a case where the incumbent president has urged his attorney general to go after his political opponent aggressively, that all efforts must be made to ensure fairness. Prosecutors must lean over backwards to persuade the public that partisan considerations played absolutely no role at all in the decision to indict. Agreeing to a change of venue and judge would go a long way towards seeing that justice is done. Here's the thing, though. Do you think that can happen? Though these appeals before trial are generally disfavored, the arguments for allowing it in this case is strong. 
The trial itself promises to play an important role in the 2024 election, especially since the prosecution wants it to occur in the middle of the campaign season. If an unfair trial results in a conviction, the impact will already be felt, even if it is reversed on appeal after the election, as the prosecution likely anticipates. So the appellate courts should be able to assure in advance that a fair trial occurs in a fair venue presided over by a fair judge, especially if it takes place before the election. If the prosecution case is strong, it shouldn't fear any jury and judge outside of D.C. As the Supreme Court has repeatedly said, the job of a prosecutor is not merely to maximize chances of winning, but to assure that he wins fairly and justly. In order to achieve that goal, the prosecutors in this case should not oppose motions for a change of venue and judge. That just makes common sense, don't you think? It also means that it's unlikely this is going to happen in Trump's case. Why? Because everybody on the left and many in the judiciary system, federal courts, not just in the courts, but agencies that are part of the Justice Department, many of those people hate Donald Trump. They support the Biden administration and all of his massive achievements for the American populace. I'm joking, I'm joking. What they do enjoy is the power that Joe Biden has given to them to just ignore the rule of law. Forget about the Constitution. If we feel like we need to break laws, we'll cover for you. Just go ahead and break them. And don't worry about any consequences because we hold nobody accountable for breaking laws in this administration except those evil mega maga republicans or anybody that likes them or what they do if you're a republican you're toast in this administration wow that's a wrap on the day don't forget we'll have the part of this show with steve baker we'll have it on tomorrow's story And at the bottom of it, you'll be able to download it. We want to thank him and wish him the best. For you, you have a great Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 a.m. right here at TNN Live. Oh